We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> I was hoping there would be longer silence. I thought we were going to go for it there. <laughs> did ethan free oh I, th- I thought you froze uh i mean everything has been really laggy on my end but i'm still hearing things so i don't know because because the wires from philadelphia and charlotte all the way <laughs> to colorado are pretty long yeah it takes time to get through the wires where you know the <laughs> I mine People definitely just see. like completely mine completely lagged out right there. Uh, it's, it's the my what I said is is good then. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And I closed Colin, all my other Chrome stuff. Oh. Yeah, no, sorry. Am I like way delayed? No, a little bit, oh. not too much. Okay. All right, Colin, what are you drinking? Oh wow! Okay, we're jumping right into it. Well, I Matt, have. <laughs> I have Nectar Diamonds, another... Oh, where's the camera? Here we go. Uh, Nectar Diamonds. All right. Matt Root Special from Other Half. All right. Very good. 425 on Untap. Not bad. Not bad. I've got a uh, Freaky Friday, and i got a couple Freaky Fridays. Um, special combo number four. It's uh, Other Half Brewed It, but it's a Veil recipe. So... Pretty tasty. The Veil? Um, like yeah, the, the, the Veil. Yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Out of, That's out not of the one we went to, is it? No, no, no. We went to The Answer. Okay. Why do because I always remember, mix that up? Remember, beer is the answer. Right. Yes. Is The Veil also <laughs> in Richmond? Is that why yes. I keep thinking that? Okay. Yeah. But we went to The Answer, not The Veil. Okay. Yeah. Which what? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, to continuing the tradition, they did a bunch of freaky... Well, yeah, it's Instead of Freaky Friday, they call them Freak Week beers now, where they they partner with someone and brew each other's recipes. So the reason I picked these up um, for the first time, I guess maybe in a long time, they probably partnered with them before, but uh, you guys know Dogfish Head's 60-minute uh, IPA, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, other half brewed that and canned it. <laughs> no it was, shit. It was weird. It was wild. It was pretty cool, actually. And they did a wow. good job. Um they def- definitely taste like your kind of traditional IPA from 15 years ago. Really, really good. Oh. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. So I, I went ahead and got that. The other beer I've got is a uh, Toppling Goliath Pseudo Sioux Freak Week beer. 
they're calling this Psycho Sue, but uh, that oh, they crossed it out, yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be my next one. It's, it's not as not as high high test, but it'll be good. Ethan, you got it's some like water? You got some beer? What do you got tonight? I, I got some beer. So, um, can you, you guys oh, can hear right. me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. All right. I the forgot videos where you are, went this week. Yeah, you remember the videos are just like so choppy, and I can't tell what's happening. Okay. Um, Yes, I went to Greeley last week, uh, or actually on Sunday, and uh, and of course I had to stop at Weldworks since I was there, and uh, hadn't been there since Matt and I went in July of 2022, and uh, it was awesome, it was excellent. I had for for lunch, so obviously the beer's great, for lunch I had an apple butter grilled cheese with butternut squash soup, it was fucking amazing. It was like, if I had had that in Fort Collins, it would have been like, a top three meal since I moved here, honestly. Um, uh, and, and my partner and I have been trying restaurants all over Fort Collins and some places are really good. A lot of places are, eh, you know, but this at, at fucking Weldworks, it was, it was so good. Anyways, um, I left with a few cans, including what I am having tonight, which is called loud juice. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the first sip okay. was really good. It's got, uh, it's a, a classic hazy and, um, Citra, Mosaic, Eldorado, Nectarone, and Galaxy Hops. And and Matt, it's um it is brewed with it's a it's a whatchamacallit, a collab with um Blackstack Brewing. Looks oh, like out of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Looks like Minnesota. <laughs> so Maybe we should just have an episode one night of that. Like you guys are like, oh I found a beer from so and so. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're from, you know, uh-huh. Boise. <laughs> a quiz, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, there's the, too many the brewery breweries, geography. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Blackstack um is good. They do the only stuff I've had from them uh, is a handful of their double and triple IPAs, um, okay. but good good people to collab with. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, and Weldworks is awesome. I love that place. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't know if they keep doing it, but one of the things, Ethan, now that you're out there, they do the Weldworks Invitational. Okay, um, and it, it's it's you know, I think it's uh, like a hundred bucks, but they have. 30 or 40, like really, really good brewers that come out. Um, I'm not sure if they've done it since COVID. Um, yeah. But it was always one that was always one where you look at the roster of, of breweries coming and it's like, ooh. No, that would like, be fun. Shit, this is a, this, that's a good, that's a good festival. It'd be awesome yeah. to go to. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out. Yeah. That location is just great. They've got like the, they've got like a nice outdoor area. The indoor area is really spacious, but cozy. The employees are super cool and nice. I chatted with a couple of them. Like, yeah, can't can't speak highly enough of that place. And last night I decided, so I went home with four cans and I decided in addition to their IPAs that they're famous for, I want to try some other stuff. I got their Pilsner, um, the Weld Pils. It was good. It was like a really solid Pilsner. Had it last yeah. night. It was really nice. And then I got um, a Dunkel, which I haven't had yet, but I'm very okay. curious about that. And I was interested because, Matt, like we've talked a little bit about how, and I don't know if Weldworks is going to go like fully into this or not. But I know we've talked about how there are some movements in the beer community now to sort of actually move away a little bit from all of the crazy IPAs and stouts and whatever and like go back to like Pilsners and yeah. Hefeweizens and whatever, lagers. Traditional, like brew, brew a traditional basic style, but brew it very well. Right. Like that place from New York that we had that was really good uh, that you sent us. What was that? Um, Suarez. Suarez. Yeah. 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 Where they have you know, six beers at a time and it's like a Hellas lager and a Pilsner yeah. and they'll have a pale ale with some hops in it. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they'll also do like a Schwartz beer. Um, 
and damn it, they're all fucking oh, delicious. Yeah, that yeah, that was so good. I remember. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I wanted to wanted to see what uh, Weldworks had for those. So the pills was good, and then uh, I'll report back on the Dunkel as well. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Did they still have uh, barrels all over the place in the inside at Weldworks? Yeah, there like were the some barrels. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if there were like a ton. I'm trying to remember. I was sitting at the bar. They had like a whole big merch section, which I was trying to remember if it was there when we went a couple years ago. And like the kitchen was visible. It looked the same to me, but I didn't notice like a ton of barrels. So, but I also can be not the most uh, uh, observ- uh, observing all the time. Uh, well, I know observant. I told you to go to um, Weldworks, but if you ever do get time, go to go to Wiley Roots around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to have quite the same stuff, but still, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff I tried there. Did we go when we, uh, that day, that same day? I assume we went to both places back in, uh, in 2022. No, no, we just did Weldworks and then we went to the city. Oh no shit. Okay. Yeah. Cause remember we, uh, we went and saw Frank that night. Yeah. I just thought we had gone to like, I thought we went to like several breweries over the course of a couple days. And so I just assumed we would have done Wiley Roots since it was around the corner. We did do several. But um, they were more around Boulder. Okay, okay. We, we we tried a couple duds around Boulder. Actually, I remember they were a couple duds. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember going to a couple places that I wasn't like super wild about. So so basically, because we, yeah, because we were in Boulder because we were staying with my uncle, right? Yep. So so for me from Fort Collins, Greeley is like forty five minutes. Um, from Boulder, I feel like it's got to be farther because yeah, Boulder like is hour. further. Yeah, so you basically were like, Weldricks is good enough. We're going to go an hour. Yeah. We're going to, yeah, yeah. So I need I need to take you there. You need to experience, if you yeah. want hops, Yeah, we need to go. Uh-huh. Um, Which, yeah, I'm glad we did. I, re- I remember, I remember really enjoying it. So, yeah. Oh, it was and, funny. Uh, Actually, Matt, I was telling the 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 employee that I was chatting with, I, uh, I chatted with a bit. And I said, you know, I came here before in, in the summer of 2022. I have a close friend of mine is like a huge beer connoisseur. And he was out here. We were out here visiting. And he was like, OK, we're going to Greeley. We have to go to Weldworks. And she was like, that's a good friend right there. <laughs> so uh, so you're getting you're getting shout outs all over the place. So. I, I love I love the Colorado craft beer community. Um, one of my favorite experiences, I was in Bo- uh, he was Boulder. I was at Left Hand Brewing. And um, just chatting with a bartender, and she mentioned that she was from Buffalo. She said, "Well, actually, I'm from I'm from Hamburg." And I said, "Huh, funny. Like, I've got a, a really good friend from Hamburg. His last name is Hamburger, and I always yeah. thought that was hilarious." And she was like, "You know Marta?" And I was like, "No, I know Alex, her brother." And he was like, "Oh my god, oh shit, <laughs> what the hell happened here?" And so she like gave me a. She's like, "Well, you're cool," and she like just said, "Come with me," and she just walk me through the brewery. I was like, well, here's, here's what we're building. Here's what we're doing. Like, like, uh, here, here, take this glass. Like, you're cool. Like, whatever. Like try some, want to try some beer. Cool. Like here's some peanuts. I, I, it was just awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I love those kind of amazing, spontaneous, yeah. weird, organic you know, connections. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a gregarious enough guy. I'll talk to anyone. You, you put a beer or two in me and it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are always fun. Um, yeah. hopefully it doesn't get me like murdered one day or something. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, like, yeah, you're cool. And take you to this back corner of the brewery. It's going to be like Sweeney Todd, but in a brewery instead of a barbershop. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we took a dark pen. <laughs> <laughs> we brew with blood. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, 
But anyway, yeah, that, that's really cool. Um, yeah. In Colorado in general, um, just, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of breweries out there, so you'll never run out. But Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, want to make a trip, I was telling my partner. I want to go, it's, like, three and a half hours away, but, like, maybe this summer or something, I want to go to Glenwood Springs, like, mostly just to go to Casey. <laughs> like, there's also, like, hot springs that are supposed to be really nice. It looks like it's, like, a really cute mountain town, but, like, there's a, there's a million cute mountain towns in Colorado. I want to go specifically there so I can go to Casey. Do that, and then on the way back, stop in Frisco and go to Outer Range. Oh, that's right. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that's we were right about off that the one. highway. It's not too far away. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh um, man, yeah, that would be a great trip. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, go go. I mean, you know, if if you got your partner up there, like you know, go go on a hike, go see some cool stuff. Like, oh yeah. The only course, reason we went to Outer Range is because we were exploring um, Breckenridge, and we went to a brewery in Breckenridge that was kind of like it kind of stunk. Oh, is that right? So um, yeah. we're like, well, I got another one. I know that's good. And we stopped in and it was a lot of fun. So. Right. And, you know, if you guys, um, I think I mentioned this. I can't remember exactly when. It might be in June. But, um, you know, the Dodgers are playing in Colorado. They're doing a three-game series this summer. If you guys come out for a couple of days, we can go do mountain breweries and go and see the game. I mean, I Just, do need to get out there because I, yeah. you know, I screwed up. I fucked up last year, but. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I fucked that whole thing up. But <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, like I just, I'm so pissed. Like it was perfect time. It was trampled, and the Yankees in Colorado. Yeah. Like what the hell? Yeah. Like, it's not gonna get any better than that. Yeah. So, it's all right. You know, these things happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, you didn't miss. You didn't miss anything with the Yankee game. Yeah, that's that. true. Yeah, I got stomped. <laughs> Yeah. Now, yeah. not to not like I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, um, and I don't want to assume my cousin's gonna you know work her connections. But my cousin is dating someone who works professionally with like the Vikings and the Twins. Oh, and she goes to all mm-hmm. sorts of games. Like it's it. See, I'm so jealous of her Instagram because it's like, oh, she's at a Timberwolves <laughs> game now. Oh, uh, now she's at a Vikings game, and she's like. Now, now, now she's at the Twins game and she's in a box or something. like just nuts. Um, so she's living it up and keep killing it, cousin. But um, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I see if we can get Yankees tickets in Minnesota or something. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Watch, they'll yeah. probably yep. be playing there in like April. You know, and when yeah. it's yeah, when April it's twenty-two in degrees. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, hey, Matt, we did go and see that game in Detroit in April, yeah. and, it, and it literally snowed. And I it remember. snowed. Yeah. <laughs> What a great, terrible night. Uh-huh. McCann! 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 Yo, they were, uh, somebody was just talking about McCann recently. Like, he was, he was really good offensively. Oh, yeah. Like, he had pop. You know, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not a Hall of Famer, not Mike Piazza, but, I, you know, you just, he just wasn't, he wasn't as good as he was with the Braves, with the Yankees. So I think a lot of people kind of, I don't know, downplay his career because of that. Um, but no, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, I had forgotten all about him until it was like last week. They, they, yeah. Cause last week was the, the hall of fame announcements. And I think he's on the ballot next year. Uh, yeah. For the first time. I mean, I'm 5. looking seven B war with the Yankees. So yeah. Like and that, I mean, 30, 32 in his career B war, which is a really solid career. And as a catcher, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
10 years of 20 plus homers and then two more years of 18 homers. Like for a catcher, that's really good. Just that's in really terms good, of power, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the only thing for me is like, for me, he's insufferable because he's one of these old school, like unwritten rules yeah, of the, the game guy. So like, fuck him. But yeah, um, the guy with the uh, Brewers, who was it? Um, Carlos Gomez, when he, when he hit, when he pimped that homer and then McCann was still on the Braves and got in his face. Yeah. At home plate, at, right? At home yeah. Plate. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that shit I can't stand. But, but yeah, as yeah. far as catchers go, yeah, he had a, he had a really good bat. Eh, but so yeah, you're right, Colin. The OPS plus the Yankees ninety four, one hundred five, ninety nine. So yeah, average, not that yeah. terrible. Average, right? Yeah, and didn't he give way to Gary too in twenty sixteen? Wasn't he still around then? He, he might played, have been, He only played one hundred thirty games, games. Yeah, yeah, and Gary came up. What, he was at the end of twenty sixteen, and that's when he hit like a whole mid, bunch of homers, mid right? August or something. Yeah, like he didn't. He didn't come up. You know for very long that year so um, yeah but fifth on the yankees uh, that, that year 2016 yankees jacoby ellsbury 22.7 war but gary had uh, played that year so gary had three uh, yeah i'm surprised ellsbury even fucking played yeah yeah i know he played like i think 2017 was like his last 100 season 112 games yeah yeah god one uh, of the worst I remember, in Yankee history i remember he got I think he got thrown out by in in a in a game against the Astros like in um June or something and yeah we the rivalry hadn't I don't know if you want to call it that cuz they keep winning all the time but um it was it was like one of those tense games like with the Yankees kind of being surprisingly good and the Astros like you know, had already ascended because they had made the playoffs in 15 and like 17 was supposed to be their year and everything. And I just, I just remember Ellsbury getting thrown out at home plate to like end a game or something like that. And uh, that's the last thing I remember he did with the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> what a swing yeah. and a miss. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Yanks are in Minnesota midweek in May, the 14th through the 16th. Damn it. Yeah. It might be pretty yeah. chilly. And it's it's tough midweek. Oh, anyway. so that's t- yeah, that's just difficult timing. Yeah, how about we're talking yeah. about connections? Cousin Greg did his fucking internship with Mike Elias or whatever. Like, I don't know. Let us meet Bryce Harper or something. Come on, Greg, get in touch with Mike. Set something Do up. You want to meet Bryce Harper? Yeah, I love Harper. <laughs> I mean, I love him too. I just don't know if I want to meet him. Yeah, he tried. As long as we call him bro, he it'd probably be great. Like, hey, bro. <laughs> Hey, bro, nice to meet you. He'd be like, hey, bro. Would we have to cut the sleeves off our shirts before we met him? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I live in Philly, right? Like, uh, this town fucking adores him. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, I don't want to get beaten up for, for, you know, joking about Almighty Bryce. But, (laughs) um, I mean, honestly, actually, with, with kind of his punk bs you know behavior it's perfect he's perfect for philly so oh longer this, you know the longer this contract goes the, the better i feel about him signing here i actually just um i just remembered i fucked up con were you going to correct me so they did their internship with the phillies but elias is the gm of the orioles now i was yeah, totally thinking phillies yeah, yeah i like the, totally yeah. had a brain fart the recently um, sold orioles the recently yeah. sold who yeah. yeah who bought them is this is the new people going to actually spend some fucking money so we can see like the orioles be good for a long time or what 
I don't know. It would be Apparently so good Ripken's for baseball. Yeah, Ripken's part of the ownership group, I think. Okay. Because fuck the Angelus um, family. Yeah. I mean, they used to be... Grant Hill. <laughs> Grant Hill. Yeah, like in, part of the group. Oh, really? wow. Yeah. Basketball player Grant Hill? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Also, Mike Bloomberg and Kurt, uh, Baltimore Mayor Kurt Schmoke. Headed by Dave, Baltimore native David Rubenstein. I was going to ask because Rubenstein, Rubenstein, I was had yeah. been rumored he's a billionaire, like some of the, one of these like hedge fund billionaires. He had been rumored I think it's to be two in billionaires on it. that are the majority owners. Well, so Rubenstein is like he's really into philanthropy and everything, and he talks about how he's like trying to give away his whole fortune. So hopefully, he's like willing to spend his money, and he will like lock up Rutschman and Henderson and Holiday and fucking Cedric Mullins, who's one of the most underrated players in the game, like. And also, like, go and sign a big-time pitcher. Go and sign Snell or Montgomery or something, you know? Because well, that could be I don't exciting. Think the ownership group's going to – I don't think it's going to switch over fast enough. Okay, I wasn't sure season. what the timeline is on that process. Yeah, also, I mean, there's still a know, chance they can get one of them. Not trying to be too much of a dick, but you know what other billionaire was – billionaires were really noted for their philanthropy? Bill the Gates. Sackler family. Oh, so. the Sacklers. Yeah. Well, yeah. don't get me wrong. No, if you if you're a billionaire and you claim to be a big philanthropist, but you're still a billionaire, then then you're you suck at philanthropy, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> and you're and you're still a piece of shit. But you know, he at least has like he like has established some various like foundations and has been like kind of a at least a vocal leader about it, and uh, that at least is better than the alternative. We'll we'll see if he actually follows through with it, right? But. But no, I mean, he's still a billionaire, so he, he still has a lot of work to do. Uh, it's tough because I will say, like, uh, Mackenzie Scott, um, mm-hmm. like, she's given away, like, something ridiculous, like, billions and billions of dollars, and still her wealth has grown. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. Like, she is one of the of most the active, biggest givers out there. Right. And it's still, like, like, she can't give it away fast enough. It just keeps growing. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, net worth forty three point two billion. Yeah, For, and I was yeah. going to correct you, Ethan. Yeah, oh, you, okay, you good. Were, you were right. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll also say, like Peter Angelos, the you know father of the, the you know this is like a Steinbrenner thing. It's second generation. Um, he spent money in the you know mid to late nineties. You know when when they were pretty decent. You know they had Robbie Alomar, Moose, Scott Erickson. Raphael Palmero, Ripken, um, Brady Anderson, Brady Anderson, Brady Anderson, you know, and and everything. Chris Hoyles as as catcher, like you know, they they had good teams, and um, yeah, I, I don't. It's so weird. So you know how you know how like either the last time or the time before we talked about how it's just been kind of a strange and like slightly concerning off season for free agency. Um, yeah. I'm starting to notice like people in the baseball world are starting to talk about it a little bit more and they, and they are positioning it the same way in the sense that like, they don't think it's this, you know, they don't think there's any collusion going on or, you know, anything like that from the eighties, but um, yeah, there's something, there's something wrong with the system right now for, for free agency specifically. Um, and you know, you can point to any sport, throw college athletics into that now, especially college football, um, you know, with, uh, NIL and transfer portal and, and everything like there's, there's broken parts of every sport, but free agency just seemed like it was such a 
identity, like such a part of the identity of baseball. So for it to be this vehicle that doesn't really move the needle anymore or as much, um, it's, it's just really interesting that, uh, you know, even, I don't know, even like five, six years ago, it, it was still, you know, off season free agency was so fun. And, yeah. and now it just seems like it's because of revenue sharing and, you know, the way things are and, and billionaires not wanting to open up their pocketbooks like George Steinbrenner and go over that luxury tax. Like it, it just seems like, you know, we're in a, in a different era rightfully so but it, it's still it's just strange uh for for baseball specifically not to have like a flurry of activity and free agents who can be difference makers like that used to be the thing right and like that is that is becoming harder to do and that and that's been a yankee killer and that was i think the point <laughs> of revenue sharing and the luxury tax in the beginning right but um yeah it's just just so weird i mean how from a from a ten thousand from a non Yankees perspective, right? The parody is great, but I would love to see players getting well, paid more. Well, well, well. Wait. See, I don't, I don't buy that though. I mean, I buy it from the sense that bunch a bunch of teams who had never won the World Series before have won. But we have talked about this on the pod. There, there are more teams actively tanking. Yes, than there has ever yes. been. In baseball, so I don't want to. I don't want to hear that this like has evened out the entire league because it, it clearly has. Good point. Like, I so should say there, the, there is the fact that there is a new World Series champion every year. Yeah, is yeah, great. That, right, that part I can buy. Yeah. That, that, mm-hmm. that maybe a better put because you're right. Like yeah. you're getting a lot of shitty product out there for people to have. Like hopefully create a window, and you know, like sometimes it works, and sometimes you're the Royals. Um, yeah. 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 Or like yeah, the poor Oakland fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that that's so blatantly yeah, just poorly run. Like, well, well, I want to jump into this actually because one of the things I, I watched a Ken Rosenthal clip last night, Kenny, and he brought up a lot of really good points, um, that make this whole Oakland thing just just a head scratcher, um. So just a number of things, you know, we, we know so they've got, they've got essentially one more year in Oakland that they have a lease that they can play at the Coliseum. And that relationship is already soured tremendously, right? Like just pulled up an article that said Oakland um, just, you know, back in December served John Fisher with a, a $45 million bill because uh, he in 2020 agreed to purchase half of the Coliseum. Um, now he did so to try and get a sweetheart deal out of the city, but they're like, they're finally like, okay, well you said you're going to do this. So here's the bill. Um, but they don't know where they're going to play after next year. They still have yeah, a, a two to three year gap to fill. And there's a lot of strings attached to that, that are just crazy. Right. So if, if they move anywhere, like, you know, a couple places that have been floated, for example, are Sacramento or Salt Lake City, right? Salt Lake City has been clamoring for a major league team. Um, Sacramento has the Kings and uh, they're a hockey team there, too. Maybe just the Kings. I don't know. They've, they've got they've got major Sharks? major professional sports that sell out quite a bit. Yeah, um, And they both have fifteen to 18,000 seat capacity AAA stadiums which 
you think, oh, that's small. But guess guess what? It's the A's, and they've been drawing like 8,000 people a game. So that's right. plenty for the A's. Um, <laughs> but if they leave the Bay Area, they do not get a cent of their TV deal. And that's like 67 to $70 million a year. And they're talking about, like, do you guys think John Fisher is going to, you know, cheap-ass, son of a bitch, John Fisher is going to walk away from $70 million? No. So what what does that mean? Well, it means he might have to go hat in hand back to the city of Oakland to bargain for an extension to the lease. They could end up in uh, in Oakland for a couple more years. Um, they're floating the idea of playing at Oracle Park, but I don't know why the Giants would want to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't Fuck know, them. like you know. Fisher wouldn't get any of the revenue from that, or hardly any other revenue. Like, why, why would the why would why would the Giants want to deal with that at all? Um, yeah. So that that's weird. But again, um, there's not really any place else they can play in Oakland. And Fisher has also come out and said that um, basically only revenue generated at the park is going to be invested in the team. So he's kind of coming out and saying like, you're going to get a shit team for the next couple of years anyway. And then he's claiming as part of his move. So, again, they're going from one of the top five or eight, I think it's top eight TV markets in the country, to Vegas, which is only the 40th largest TV market. But he's saying he's going to invest all of that money, and he's going to ramp up. He's claiming he's going to ramp up his payroll the next two years, two to three years, to the $115 to $120 million range so that they hit a target of $170 million payroll for their first year in Vegas. That's what he's promised. That's what he promised the other owners he would do as part of the relocation agreement. He's never spent more than $94 million on payroll. And he's saying he's only going to invest revenue from the state, like the stadium into his payroll. Like, you know, everything he said has to be revenue neutral. So with the TV deal, with the stadium deal, with profit, like he's not going to get above that. So tight wad, you know, make people play, pay for their sodas in the, in the locker room, you know, Billionaire somehow strapped for cash. John Fisher is making all these promises. Um, you know, Ken basically just ended the article saying, like, I don't know how this thing is going to work. I really don't know where this is going to be in two or three years. Like, and I, I agreed with him. Like, I didn't realize there was all these promises and kind of, um, I'd say, strings attached to this. And I, I kind of, I kind of hope the city of Oakland tries to screw him. Right. Um, especially after he continues to try and screw them. Right. They, so there was a small investor group. I'm guessing this was tiny investors, but they the Oakland Ballers, right, the Oakland Bees. They wanted to bring an independent league baseball team to the city because they didn't want baseball to leave. And uh, Fisher blocked them. Oh, my um, God. So. I'm I'm hoping they kind of screw them. Um, now, it's yeah. going to suck for baseball that you've got one of your franchises just being absolute like potentially even more garbage than they are now, which, I mean, they're, they are a heaping pile of garbage right now. Um, I don't know. Like now, now part of me, part of me is also in like, oh, maybe it'd be kind of cool to see a Yankees game in like Salt Lake city, but um, strap in. This is going to be weird. Yeah. What a shit show. Yeah. And it's really the strings part, Matt is interesting because that's what makes this such a disaster. Like, I don't know, amplified by a hundred. It's the fact that Manfred 
and the owners agreed to this because in the long run, this opens up expansion. This opens up more money. Like it's, it's a money move, right? And Manfred made it very clear that nothing happens until the A's and until the Rays figure out their stadium issues. And so the owners, the, the other 29 owners or whatever had to be like, Jesus fucking Christ, this guy's a fucking lunatic. But if we block him, like, how long is it going to be until we can finally get all these other, like, they're, they're just looking at the money, right? Yeah. It, and it, so it was it, born out of their greed. Yeah, yeah. And and so it, it's like, yeah, the short term is going to be nasty. And the long term, like, the reason it all happened in the first place, like, the that just doesn't sit well with people who have morals and who, who care. But... You know, the, the people who just care about logic and reasoning will tell you that baseball is a business. Money, 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 <laughs> and everything. And it's like, it's just, it is, but like baseball has its, it, and every sport is like this. It's basically like they have their own economy, you know, and, and all the businesses are like, you know, different different cities, and, and they are in different cities and, and everything. But like, baseball didn't need to do that. That's the thing. You know, like they didn't need to do this. They could have waited it out. Yeah, it might have taken a little bit longer to get the long-term resolution of expansion and everything else that the owners want to get in terms of money and whatever. But they just did it for the money grab. Yep. And, that, and that's just like really sad that that's the society that we live in. And we talk about billion, like that's that's what we do. I feel like half the time on this podcast, we just shit on billionaires and, and really rich people. but. Let's do it and some I, more. I, I, where did where did Fisher's <laughs> where did Fisher's wealth come, Ethan? Did come from? Do you know? Yeah, he inherited uh, his wealth from his parents, who like founded the Gap or whatever. Yeah, uh, right. yeah, Gap. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He got baseball because he he went in with his dad to purchase a stake in the Giants. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. He's he's the fucking worst. He 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 what? literally did nothing. Literally inherited his wealth. Like it's it's pathetic. Yeah, and I'm not saying I would have made a different decision than the other owners. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that person. I I'm just saying it is sad though, that an economy that could have survived on its own decided to screw over an entire city that, I mean, it's not like Oakland hasn't had, it's different in Tampa, right? Like Tampa's never had the success that Oakland, Oakland has, Oakland has real what, history. Four championships yeah. and three straight years of support of that team. Fifty-six yeah. years, and Hall of Famers, and yep. uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just really sad. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's terrible. So yeah, uh, credit to Ken Rosenthal. Uh, the video <laughs> I was watching, he was not wearing a bow tie. Just a note. Um, <laughs> That was really a big thing that that crossed my mind, though. What do you guys got? Come on. Yeah what uh, what else is on the what else is on the docket? I mean, since we talked, a lot of free agent moves, a lot of stuff not going the Yankees' way, but you know. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't. I don't think. I think they've gotten what they want. Hater to the Strohs. Yeah. Wandy, Wandy to the Pods. Yeah, Hater's old. Wandy's 
up and down. I think it's easy to get good bullpen arms these days. Like yeah. everyone throws fucking 98 and has a nasty slider. Like you find somebody yeah. who can do that for an inning and you're fine. Like I, I don't, I feel like cash is going to find somebody or like multiple people that we've never heard of who are going to come in and just, they're going to be like Michael King or Chad yeah. Green. From what, I, from what I know, uh, although they're not really major league ready yet, the Yankee farm system like when it comes to arms is, is pretty well stocked right now. Yeah, they've got like some they, good ones. I was watching yeah, footage and I can't remember his name, but he was like a six foot five guy that throws out of like a low three quarter slot and just mm. was nasty as shit. Yeah. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, we could talk about the hall of fame a little bit. Um, mm. you know, I, I, uh, I, I don't know. <sighs> you know, the, the hall of fame has changed. Just like the game has changed, I think you know it's it's probably a, a mirror of, of things, right? Where like the Hall of Fame used to be so revered, um, and baseball players used to be so revered, but they were also talked about and covered differently. And it was you know America's sport, and you know there there was just a a different affection you know toward baseball um, that that I think lingered into when we were kids because our parents grew up you know, with that and, and everything and, you know, brought that love to the game with us. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was trying to like do this in my head the other day really quickly and I was having a difficult time, but maybe I was just overthinking it or I'm not as smart a baseball person as I thought I was. But if you take like the first, you take like the, you know, um, get out of the dead ball era, right? It's so, like 1920 to like 1960, and you think about the names of the Hall of Famers, like the big time Hall of Famers. I mean, these are people that like casual baseball fans probably still know, you know, about these days. Like Ruth, Garrick, DiMaggio, Mantle. These are all Yankees. Williams, um, Mays, Aaron. Um, you know, just, I mean, some of the greatest players who ever played the game, Right. And if you take from like 1970 until present, it's kind of harder for me to like come up with these legends that had played the game. You know, Rose isn't in the hall. Bonds isn't in the hall. A-Rod's not in the hall. Waiting for A-Rod um, to come up. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, Clemens isn't in the hall and, and everything. And it's like, okay, so you got Pedro. That that was one that I came up with pretty easily. Uh, Pujols. uh he, Wait, no, he's not in yet, but but he will be in. Um, each row will be. Each row will be. Jeter. Um, you know, Jeter, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good one. With a grunt there. Um, I'd say Mo more than Jeter, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and, and Joe Paz has been writing about this a lot. Like, the fact that Mo is the only unanimous Hall of Famer, and like, all these relievers are getting... Billy yeah, Wagner is super close. Yeah. We're like Johan Santana. Yeah. Yeah. And Johan Santana gets no consideration, even though he was and King Felix is probably yeah. never going to make it. Like you just, the, the way we evaluate things is different too, obviously uh, today, but it just seems like the people who have gone into the hall, especially rather recently, you know, it's not, it's not really doing much for me. Yeah. I liked Maurer that, that was, that was good. Yeah, that was great. Um, you know, Bel Adrian Beltre, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Everybody has a love fest for him. I mean, he was fine for me. We've we've talked about some of the. Oh amazing come on, scenes. defensive wizard and three thousand plus hits. What do you want? 
what do you want? I, I really, I really think, I really Almost think he was one of the. I really think he was one of the steroid people. Oh, I didn't get. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you look at you look at what was it two thousand four? Yeah, he randomly he hit forty eight home runs in two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Come, on. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah, yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. Roids. Yeah, yep. I will, I will, I will throw you a bone. I do think the, uh, I mean, every every bit part sports writer called you know wrote this last week or two weeks ago that Sheffield was close, but A Rod wasn't. I, I will say yeah. that that to me, like now again, A Rod's got a longer history, right? He's got this. Basically, yeah. A Rod had round two of all the nonsense and yeah. the suing baseball. And he was line. so egregious. A Rod's got a lot and, more and how he behaved publicly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. A Rod's got a huge amount of baggage, but still, that is kind of. I just I found that a little bit duplicitous, and then and then it ended up with me watching like highlight reels of Gary Sheffield home runs, and that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the the whole thing is is obviously we've talked about this stuff before and I think my, my stance on, excuse me, PEDs and steroids and everything I think is pretty well established at this point. But what is the most frustrating thing for me in terms of the hall of fame is the inconsistency, right? David Ortiz, I was just double checking to make sure I had my facts, right? He tested positive in 2003. Now they were, it was anonymous testing and and technically that wasn't supposed to get out, blah, 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 whatever it did get out. He fucking tested positive. He got in first ballot. Everybody still worships him. Right. And you have all of these other guys. You have somebody like Sheffield, for instance. Right. Um, now, with people like Manny and people like A-Rod, it is a little bit worse because they tested positive like multiple times and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but there's just so much inconsistency. Like how how are the voters drawing their line? Like is one positive test OK? And if so, that's still bullshit because we don't have all of the information. We don't actually know. Mm-hmm. Like who tested positive necessarily when and how many times there wasn't testing until what? I mean, when was the first year they actually started testing? Do you guys remember? Was it like Oh three? Uh, no, it was uh 2001. Okay. Um, the CBA. Yeah. Whenever the, the CBA started with revenue sharing, that it was also steroid okay. testing was part of it. But that. we know in the late nineties when everything really blew up, there was no testing and there was no official rule. And it was, everybody was looking the other way. There's just so much inconsistency, which then leads to, I think, kind of hypocrisy. And so for me, it's just all, it's all kind of bullshit. And like, I was trying to think about this the other day and, and, you know, I actually, my, my partner, the physicist could probably do some real math on this, but I was wondering what you guys think about this, right? So we've talked before about how in, when do we say the live ball era started? Like 1920, 21-ish? But let's not even, let's not, okay, so we'll include that even though there's problems of including, you know, pre-integration baseball, but let's, let's say live ball for the sake of this argument. So we know that from 1920 to 1998, 60 home runs happened twice, right? We know it was the Babe and we know it was Maris. Then we know that in uh, 98 and 99, McGuire hit 70 and then 65 in consecutive years. We know that Sosa hits more than 63 out of four years. And then we know that Bonds hit 73 in 01. So we know that we had six separate instances of more than 60 home runs within a three-year period after it happening only twice in the previous, what, um, almost 80 years, right? So Mm -hmm. now if we figure pre-steroids, that, you know, 60-61 is about the tops, even for somebody like McGuire or something. And we say, okay, so he hit 70, he hit 65. 
like what is the percentage improvement? What I'm trying to understand here, right, is because one of the big arguments with PEDs is we don't actually know how much it helped. But we do mm-hmm. know that 60 ohmers only happened twice and then all of a sudden it blew up and that people weren't just hitting 60, 61, 62 like Judgy. People were hitting 65, 70, 73 in Bonds' case. And so can we say that it's like, so it's more than 10%, right? Because uh, uh, in the case of 70, at least, like if we say 60 home runs and then 10% of that is six home runs. So 66 is like a 10% improvement, right? This is obviously very, very rough, like musician math here. But like, I'm trying to sort of um, account for, or try to think about like how much improvement actually happened. And then if we, if we can kind of take that and apply it, does that change our hall of fame views? Does it change our arguments about players? As far as I'm concerned, and I think most people would agree, A-Rod, even without steroids, is still going to be one of the greats of all time. He wouldn't hit 696, Mm -hmm. but he would probably still hit what? 540, 550 homers, right? Yeah, you're you're looking for a conversion factor, basically a, like, okay, multiply everything A-Rod did by 0.85. Like, you know, take away the 15% 15 advantage he gained. Yeah. Is he still there, right? Yeah. Right, And and that's what I'm saying. So I think, like, with somebody like him, with somebody like Manny, with Roger Clemens, obviously with Bonds, all of these guys, they were still, like, all-time top-tier greats. Even if we even if we suggest that the steroids made them like fifteen percent better, which might be an overestimate, we don't know, right? And that's then that's part of the problem, right? So there's there's not only is there inconsistency in terms of the overall principles from the voters, right? Ortiz being first ballot, like I mentioned. Um, so there's inconsistencies just in terms of that. But then there's the fact that we just don't fucking know like how much it actually helped or didn't help. And so it's it's hard because People, there aren't that many people out there who love baseball and love baseball history as much as we do, right? And so, like, I want to be able to think really, really highly of the Hall of Fame and get really excited about it and everything like that. But it's hard to. Not to mention, I mean, on, mm-hmm. honestly, the biggest thing is is that Mariano Rivera is the only person who's ever been elected unanimously. I will never, ever get over that. It's the stupidest fucking thing of all time. Um, but, like, you combine all of those things, and the Hall of Fame is kind of a joke at this point, in my opinion. Um, yeah. so like, it's still kind of, it can still be fun to like argue about and speculate about like we're doing now, but I like, if we had had this conversation when we were like 14 years old, I would have cared, I think a lot more. And I would have yeah. thought of the hall of fame much more seriously. And as having like much more gravitas where, whereas now I think it's a joke pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you. It, it, it the credibility there. I, I just, I don't care about it as much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree too. And I think, uh, it, it, this is really, I, I don't like shitting on people who are dead. Um, but it's Joe Morgan who really, mm. I think caused the mess that, that we're in right now. And it's so hypocritical because, People in Joe Morgan's day were doing things to get an edge. Of People course they were. Before Joe Morgan were doing things to get an edge. Steroids just happened to be the 90s and early 2000s version of, of like getting amphetamines an edge. in the 50s uh, and 60s. No, no. See, when Babe Ruth was playing, he was powered by hot dogs and beer and. <laughs> Not facing any black people. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm sure there was a player or two or five or 700 out there who could have thrown it past him and made him look silly. But Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's what, like, I 
that's why I can never get on board with people who, and and that's the thing too, is like people have to come up with these extravagant reasons as to why they're not voting for a Bonds or for a Clemens or something. I mean, you think it would be as easy as saying, oh, they tested positive for steroids, but you know, the, the people like us who are like, well, that's fucking stupid. Then they, they have to like dig into this whole and they, it's, it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, no, like, look, watch the tape, watch the tape. They were fucking amazing. Yeah. They were hall of famers. And like, yeah, whatever. It's a museum. Like maybe we're making too big a deal about it, but there's also something about preserving to your point, Ethan, the history of baseball and to recognize the the greatest players of all time in some way, you know, right? And so when Joe Morgan came out and said that no person who ever took steroids should ever make the Hall of Fame, like that carried a lot of weight and it, it still does today. And it's wrong, it's in wrong. my opinion. It's it's not it's not right to judge people that way because not only what we just said, where there are other forms of steroids in the past and there will be different forms of steroids in the future, but you are literally judging somebody for the most part, because we're talking about baseball writers who never played at the major league level. You are judging somebody for which something you have never done in your entire life. You never had the opportunity. You were never in that situation. You could never actually say, just like I had said earlier, where I, I prefaced it with like, if I was one of those owners, I would probably say yes too. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not trying to be holier than thou with all of this. Yeah. And so that's where it like really pisses me off that and and I, I don't know. I, I mean we don't live none of us live, you know, that close in proximity to the Hall of Fame anymore like we did growing up and, and everything. But you know, I I feel very strongly that I would feel differently about taking my daughters to the Hall of Fame. If I could say, here's Roger Clemens plaque, here's Barry Bonds plaque, here's, you know, and, and cause these are people I watched so many people that were part of our childhood generation are not in the hall of fame. No. And that is so difficult to like go there and be like, yeah, okay. Mickey Mantle's there and Babe Ruth's there and Willie Mays and Joe Maurer now and, and everything. But I'm like. The reason you need to take your daughters to Cooperstown is because you are the proverbial house band there for years and years and years. That, <laughs> to me, means way more about you and your upbringing and everything. Like, you know, being on being on the, the, the team down there, that's, yeah. to me, way more cool and important than the museum. Like, the fact that you, yeah. were, you were there to be kind of like the the designated opponents for people coming into town. That, that was, <laughs> I don't know. To me, that's cooler. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. And that's what I said. I mean, it's just a museum, you know, at the end of the day. But I do feel strongly that there should be a way to recognize the greatest players of all time without judgment of, you know, what what we're talking about. It'd be different, right? If, like, from the dawn of time, humans were perfect. But we know they're not. And from the dawn of baseball, it has not been perfect. So what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. It's yeah, it's dumb. I think I still think I remember one time on the pod that I talked about how there's just there is something a little bit distasteful about that whole 60 home run thing I just talked about. 
right? The fact that it happened like twice in history and then it happened six times in three years, like feels in retrospect, it feels kind of gross. I think that there's like, there's a little bit of like kind of a base emotional component to this, right? That like all the stuff we're talking about, yeah, at least to us makes logical sense and everything. But I think for a lot of people, they just can't stomach it on a, on a, on like a very basic human, like emotional level, which I, which I understand to a certain extent, but um, yeah, I, I mean, Colin, they, can't, they can't stomach what though? Oh, the idea that like 60 home runs only happened twice. And then it happened six times in three years. Like it just feels oh, God, gross God. when you like, look at that, right. You like, yeah, you yeah. look at, you look at, uh, you look at these stat lines and you see that all of a sudden, like it only happened twice. And then Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs and 65 home runs in, in consecutive years. And Sammy Sosa did it three times in four years. Like and like, never led the league and never led the league. <laughs> like, like it's just, it's, it's kind of insane. And like, if you love baseball history and you pay attention to baseball stats and everything, like you look at that and there is something distasteful about it. And I think that people have trouble getting past that. And I do understand that to a certain extent, but it's just everything else we're talking about just does not compute like logically. And Kyle, I do understand what you're saying about the hall of fame, right? Like it is kind of, it is kind of sad that like, the icons, the legends of our generation are nowhere to be found because the, the, the very, very best of our generation, like if we're talking, if we want to start just hitter and pitcher is Bonds and Clemens. Right. Yeah. And then, and then A-Rod is going to be next in line. Right. Um, and so it's like, it kind of sucks that, that they are not being represented there because that is like, like our kind of, uh, our kind of gap of millennials, they are, they are our mantle and maze and Aaron, you know what I mean? Uh, steroids yeah. are not. Um, yeah. And so there is something about that. That is, that is a bummer. And the distastefulness, what you just explained, that's reasonable, but it's also revisionist. You know, it's revisionist history yeah. because in the moment there was nothing cooler than what McGuire and mm-hmm. Sosa were doing. Oh yeah. I mean, at Bonds. From it, from ninety eight to say the the Mitch report coming out, they were the ones who saved baseball, right? Right, like, exactly. Right, like so that that's where I have a big issue. And Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame. We didn't even talk about that. Uh, yeah. We've said that, though. right? We've said that on the pod before. Yeah, yeah. Bud Selig's yeah. in the Hall of Fame because he made the owners even richer. Yeah. So, um, cherry pick stat of the day: nineteen ninety six Gary Sheffield in one hundred sixty one games, sixty six strikeouts. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He, in his career, walked 1,475 times and only struck out 1,171. And that's in 2,576 games. Yeah. And, a five, and he has more than 500 homers. Didn't he end yeah. up with like 509 or something? Five, 509, yeah. With yeah. his violent swing, he never struck out. That is crazy. really impressive for that level of power hitter. Wow. Well, we're Who was he with that season? Uh, Florida. <laughs> oh, he's with the Marlins. Sheffield on the that, Marlins. That's 96, right. Ninety-six. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Yeah, I knew he was on the World Series team. Yeah. I, I just couldn't remember. Wow. Um, he he was like Brewers, Padres, Marlins, Dodgers, Dodgers, Yankees, Braves, Yankees, Tigers, Mets, Tigers. Yeah, the Tigers. Oh, um, I forgot man. that. But two wow, other so things. Uh, I, I get these these things that pop up on my Facebook feed now. I just aged myself there, but um, uh, <laughs> it just it'll it's someone who like will com- do side by side comparisons of baseball reference stats. 
Oh, and, I see uh, those a lot. Yeah, they show yeah. up on my feed too. So the two I've seen recently, um, Pedro's like three or four year dominant stretch versus Blake Snell's whole career. Um, <laughs> Pe- Pedro still has more war, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. which I thought was like, oh, holy shit, that's really good. Yeah. Um, it was really, really good, actually. It's pretty funny, like uh, how yeah. how much more valuable Pedro's three to four years were. Yeah. Um, but the other one, because uh, you said one of you said it earlier, Johan. Mm-hmm. Johan side by side with Koufax is surprisingly similar. Like, oh wow! Very yeah. very close in terms of games, WAR, ERA. Like, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> holy shit! Like, to your point, like Kof- or Johan should get some consideration just. Just by that alone, if if the measuring stick was was for Kofax that way, like why shouldn't it be the same for for yep. Johan? A hundred percent. And Joe Joe Paz wrote about yeah. this specifically, um, and he did note that Kofax is obviously a more decorated postseason, yeah, specifically a World Series. But Johan uh, can't pitcher. can't fault you know, can't fault him for right. being on the Twins, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not an excuse. Yeah. yeah, it's not an excuse. It's just a point. It he he should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, you there's, have to. You have no... to. I think the problem is you. Part of the problem, at least, because what you guys say is right. Part of the problem too is though is like the obvious, the shiny numbers because Kofax was playing in the '60s when pitchers were having routinely the best pitchers were having insanely low ERAs. So for him, he was having like ERAs below what, below two point five, below two, yeah. and he was striking out more than three hundred people like a year. He and grant, granted, he was an amazing strikeout artist, blah blah blah. But yeah, like, he was throwing more innings. Yeah, but like that shit looks really, really nice. You look at somebody's season and you see like I can't remember off the top of my head, but like he had years where he would go like twenty seven and five with a one point nine three ERA and like three hundred something strikeouts. You look at a year like that and it and it's completely mind blowing, right? But if you look a little bit deeper and you do kind of the the comparisons like with ERA plus and OPS plus, like we talk about, where it tries to take into account the actual competition the of average, the whole yeah. league. What, how yeah. is everyone doing? Yeah, that year and the ballpark and blah, 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 blah. If you start to like peel back the layers a little bit, then you see kind of like what we're talking about. And you see, wow, yeah. Johan, for what he was doing in his prime, was pretty fucking similar to what Kovacs yeah. was doing. But the basic numbers look so different. So I think your typical baseball fan doesn't understand not not just not just what the average pitcher was doing and what you know the average hitter was doing back then but also he's pitching half his games in dodger stadium (laughs) yeah right like yeah Yeah. i'm glad that that's factored in too right where johan didn't have that luxury yeah exactly either dodger stadium or the coliseum you know (laughs) earlier when he when he first after they moved from, from brooklyn like neither neither one of them were hitter you know, ballparks and everything. But that that's what I was saying earlier. Like you specifically with pitchers, like you definitely have to evaluate them differently. And and this will come down, you know, I don't know what, ten years from now with hitters too, when we're looking at career two forty hitters, you know, with with uh you know three hundred and fifty homers and what and whatever. Because I, I just <laughs> I yeah, not him, but um uh, yeah, I, I just I, some of the the numbers that we grew so accustomed to knowing, like the the round numbers, right? The five hundred, the uh, three thousand strikeouts, the three thousand hits, uh, five hundred homers, you know, and everything. Like it, it, those type of things aren't happening anymore because of the way the game is played, and so you have to change what your criteria is. But you all, but that doesn't mean you have to change how you 
view somebody. Like, Johan should not be looked at differently. It's not his fault that there are more rounds in the playoffs or that the Twins were fucking garbage, you know, and everything because there's more teams. You know, if you, if you take Johan and make him Sandy Co- and play in Sandy Koufax this time, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, a, good, a good barometer yeah. is going to be next year with CC. He's going to be a really good barometer yeah. of where voters are at, right? Because he has 62 war, right? His, he, his career is remarkably similar to Pettit and Burley. They're like, those three yeah. are like almost identical. It's crazy. Yeah. And 250 wins, right? Is 250 now the new 300? Yeah, like, 250 wins and 3,000 Ks. Like that's what separates him from Pettit yeah. and Burley. And I think that's why he gets in. Yeah, the three thousand case specifically, I think, is what gets him in. Like, because people said that with Moose too, right? They were Moose was what two eighty five, two eighty. I was thought two eighty eight, but yeah, yeah, he was yeah. Close. Either way, yeah. They, they were like, okay, that's the that's the number now. And it's like, okay, well, actually, it should be lower because I mean, how many people go more than five innings in a start? Two seventy, two seventy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, and but, so yeah, yeah. I think yeah, even two. I think even two fifty is a long shot from now on for most people. Yeah, well, because and again, like, why? Why are we even putting stock into wins? Yeah, exactly. Pitch- why do we? Yeah, why do we even care anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's stupid, and you know, three thousand Ks is I think still that that shows some longevity, right? But does longevity necessarily mean in today's baseball that you are one of the best because everybody strikes out? Right. I'm not. I'm not saying CC's Bathia is not a Hall of Famer. That that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying like those numbers that we've become so accustomed to evaluating our Hall of Fame, you know, players on those need to change. Yep. Because the game is different. Yeah. And and on top of that, the I I, I feel like all I've done is bitch this podcast, but no, that's okay. It just pisses me off. Yeah. No, I just I just brought up uh, Moose's stats. What, what you know what Moose's career OPS plus was? Uh, <laughs> um, one. <laughs> one? Okay. Right. He had an OPS plus of one. That's amazing. Nice. Oh, my God. Hilarious. How many at-bats did he get? 50? Um, 52. Yeah. I was going to say, wow, good guess, Colin. Holy shit. Eight singles Ooh. and a double. I was going to say, it wow. can't have been much because, I mean, his AL for his entire career. Yeah. yeah. In one walk. One walk. Yeah. Walked once. Who the fuck would walk Mike Messina? Yeah. How did that happen? Five RBI. That's really funny. Um, wasn't there wasn't there a Yankee who walked in? There was like something during the 2009 season. I know Mo got his like 500 save during that season, but that's not it. I don't know. I I, I can't think of it right now. I'll try to mm. do it off air. But um, I want I'll say something real quick. We don't need to go into the weeds on this, but but Matt brought up like the comparisons that show up on Facebook because I see those two, and one that I saw just like yesterday or something that was hilarious, and I was just double checking the stats right now. It was uh it was Apier Kevin Apier and Sandy Koufax. Matt, did you wow. see that one? No, I didn't. Okay, so by Baseball Reference War, Kevin Apier was like 54.8 or something and Sandy Koufax 48.9 or something. And so the person who posted it was like, okay, explain this all you war freaks. Right. Um, Cause the idea of Kevin Apier having more career war than Sandy Koufax is pretty insane. Right. But again, like he also pitched long. He pit- That's exactly. So like we're talking about, you know, we're talking about Sabathia and we're talking about Pettit and Burley. I, I think that I think every, every one of us uh, and most people in general, 
if we had like one game and we could pick anybody from history and those were our people, like Koufax is winning against all of those people every single time. Like everyone's going to choose Koufax, but all those other guys have more war. They just, they played longer. Like, like it's not that hard, but like, but like all of these fucking Philistine baseball fans, right? They just like, they see that big number and just like, it's like, dude, like Kevin Apier played longer. Like what, what, what is so hard to understand here? You know? Yeah. And I know longevity is like one of those criteria that helps people um, and, 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 you know, whatever, but it it would be interesting. We, maybe we could do this the next time because we're, we're still kind of dying for some baseball content. Um, I was just thinking to your point, Ethan, like, yeah, if you're talking about a lefty, I think I would take Kofax over anybody uh, all time. Yeah. Talking about a righty, that that's a little more difficult. Uh, you could take like Gibson, you could take Clemens, you could take Pedro, Satchel um, Page. Yeah, and I was thinking Randy Johnson as a lefty. You could take. I was going to say. I, yeah. I think I would still take. I think I'd still take Randy. I take but, Randy. Yeah. I think if we're talking prime, but, I for me it's Randy and Pedro. If it's one game in their prime, you can choose anyone from history. That's probably what it is for me. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can do some type of draft. <laughs> oh, that would be kind of like, fun. Yeah, you know where um, I think I, I don't think, know maybe I think Randy mainly because especially if you put him up against like a 1960s batter, I think he would just scare the shit out of him more than anything. <laughs> just like yeah, like giant scowling mean. You yeah, know, gonna release the ball seven feet to your right and like two feet behind you. Yep. Yeah, they yeah, they had never see, seen anything like that. Randy Randy is a good one though because like to what you just said, Matt, we can't do that. You know, we can't we can't say Randy's facing 60s or Randy's in the 60s facing batters from the 90s, I you wish know, whatever. We could. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's a it's a fun exercise, but we can't do that. But what we can do I think in comparison and when we're talking about the all greats, you know, most of them have some postseason pedigree to their names. And I mean, you just think about the 2001 World Series, right? Like, I would take Randy any day if that was the <laughs> the Randy you're getting, you know, and, and everything. Yep. Um, you know, so whether we're picking like a specific year or we're taking like a, a full postseason career of somebody to say like this is why I picked this person over this person, like I think we you could build like a really interesting all time great yeah. team. Uh, whereas I think last time we did what just in our our lifetime. Yeah, um, yeah, just from when, when we were born. I was just looking yeah. at it the other day, by the way. Looking at the the number one team that I picked, but it's okay. Oh, when when, when we did that draft? <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, I take, right, I still take my team. That, but there were certain scenarios I would still love to see, right? Like, imagine if you put Maddox in one of the old giant stadiums out there. Like, yeah. Pick an old pitcher-friendly ballpark and then put Maddox in there, right? His numbers would be minuscule, minuscule, because you'd yeah. just be like, "Fine, you want to fly out to left center? Yeah, hit the ball four hundred eighty feet to, or four hundred feet to left center. Fine, like yeah, in Death Valley in, in the Yankee Stadium, you only lose it out. Like, cool, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I actually saw a really funny clip. This this showed up, I think, on 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 Facebook maybe um, or Instagram, one of them. Like a random clip showed up. And it was of Lance Berkman being interviewed. And Berkman, by the way, speaking of underrated players, he's another one, I think, super yep. underrated. And yeah. he was... Ta- not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, underrated. but definitely under... Like, Hall of Very Good and, and definitely underrated. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. he was talking about how... Um, 
he was talking about he was recounting a homer he hit off of Maddox and and it was really funny. He was talking about how Maddox was like really arrogant when he pitched, right? Apparently. And how Maddox threw one of his classic two seamers, which which we know and, and anybody listening, if you don't know, go to YouTube and just look up like Greg Maddox two seam fastball. He had like the greatest two seam fastball of all time. And throwing it to a left hander like Berkman, it starts off like coming at your hip. And then it and then it moves and it ends up like on the inside corner. It was just a work in, of art. And a mid nineties umpire would give you that corner every freaking day, right? But mm-hmm. in this case, uh, uh, well, Berkman says it was inside. He he says it was inside, like in the ump called it a ball, and it was correct. But Maddox was pissed, and apparently Maddox is like swearing up and down, you know, motherfucking the ump, the umpire, blah 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 blah. And then so the next pitch comes, and Berkman's trying to decide. He's like, okay, what what's this guy going to do? Like we know Maddox is really really clever, blah 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 blah. What's he going to do? And Berkman guessed that he's going to throw a changeup at the exact same spot, thinking thinking that Berkman's expecting the two-seamer, but it's going to be the change. It's going to trick him. But Berkman guessed change. He guessed right. He crushed it in the upper deck. And apparently, as he's rounding the bases, Maddox is just, like, screaming at the ump about, like, not getting the previous call. And Berkman apparently was just, like, giggling as he was, like, running the bases. <laughs> it was just, it was, like, it was a really good story. I was, like, cracking up because I could just, like... I could picture that because I've read some stories about Maddox now and it sounds like he, he was pretty vocal. I, th- I think he was, I, oh, yeah, yeah, he, you know, he, he would, he would be saying shit on the mound and stuff. And he's still, he's still very outspoken. Yeah. Like, you know, like kind of smarmy kind of, I'm, I'm smarter than you. Well, he's the professor. But in yeah. a funny way though. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he does have like, I saw him tell the story about, um, somebody who like crushed him or Tony Gwynn or something like, you know, he talks about yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So like he, he has some humility too. Like he, he, he knows that he got beat sometimes, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, it, that, that just really cracked me up that story. So, yeah, I got two video things that I'll end on. Uh, one is Maddox. I'll piggyback off that. One of my favorite clips ever to watch is when I'm pretty sure it's Jeter uh, after Girardi hits the triple, uh, over Grissom's head in game six of the 96 uh, World Series. Jeter hits a single up the middle, um, and uh, Maddox is so pissed off. <laughs> He's, he, like, he, like, just stomps on the ground and, like, probably yells shit or fuck or, you yeah. know, whatever it is. And, um, I mean, he, yeah, he maybe gave up two runs in an inning or three runs in an inning twice all season long. And he did it you know, in game six of the world series against the Yankees. But um, that's one of my favorite clips. But another one I was watching just today uh, was designated hitters who had to play the field, whether it was like earlier in their careers before they became primary designated hitters or uh, like Miggy, they showed, um, you know, him making that final out at first base uh, before he called it quits uh, this past season. And Nelson Cruz made an incredible, probably because he got a, a horrible jump on it, uh, made an incredible catch at the wall in right field, um, you know, jumped up, banged against the wall and everything. I don't know if this was before or after his World Series blunder, but that's all I could think about <laughs> when I saw it. I was like, he made this incredible catch, and then all he had to do was catch the ball, and the Rangers would have won, what, that 2010 World Series or 2011? Uh, it was, yeah, 2011. Um, it was against the Cardinals. Um, and, uh, he, yeah, it was like, uh, it just felt so bad for Ranger fans, but I was like, hey, you just won the World yeah, Series. Yeah, they got it. They're okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's still playing, isn't he? That's crazy. I think he just retired. Yeah. Okay. He played last year, though, didn't he? 
Yep. But he retired. Yeah, I didn't Padres? realize. Okay. Yeah. Was he in the Padres uh, last year? I'm looking at so uh, Padres. Right. You're right, Matt. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Now he but, did mean, he test positive once or twice? A couple of times. I did think. he? Yeah. At least once. Four hundred and four sixty four though. Pretty impressive for his yeah. homers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's basically a poor man's Ortiz. Yeah. He just didn't get the dick sucking because he didn't play in a a market like Boston. Yeah. And he actually he didn't play his first full season. It's not even totally full. One hundred and twenty eight games until two thousand uh, two thousand nine. He was twenty eight years old um, wow. when he played his first season of over a hundred games. He didn't play more than one hundred and fifty games until he was thirty one. Yeah. Really interesting. And then he had all his. How old is he now? He's forty. He was forty two during the season last year. Turned 43. So, yeah, he's 43 now, born yeah. 1980. But all of his best hitting years were like in his mid-30s, which, which yeah, that usually points towards... Uh, that's a hallmark of steroids. Yeah, yeah. some substances helping yeah. out. Yeah. And that sounds like it tracks when he actually did test positive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember he... <laughs> you know, that, that's like, that's also, the, I guess, my last thing. For real, this is my last thing. When Nelson Cruz tested positive, I was zero percent shocked because it's it, just look at him, <laughs> you know, like he's you you can be that big. I I understand. Move on, um, but it's just it, it's not natural. Yeah, <laughs> and and there are some players in the game right now who, if you told me they tested positive, Mike Trout included, yeah. I would be zero percent shocked. I agree. I would be very sad yeah. if it was Mike Trout. Yeah. But I would be zero percent shocked. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Because Trouty, like, <laughs> if you look at his beginning of his career and you look at him now, like, he is so bulky. Like, it's yeah. yeah. It's wild. <laughs> Mo Vaughn was just a, a big dude. Yeah, I remember he was, Mo. He was a chunk. I remember Mo Vaughn. <laughs> it, wow, he is skinny though. Holy shit! Yeah. Look at that yeah. picture. But he he was he was he was a big guy. He was, he was a big man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh wait, it's not. I mean, there's oh. there, there's a difference. Like Mo Vaughn couldn't move. No. Yeah, like he didn't. He he lost his athleticism mm-hmm. <laughs> because he probably wasn't. There we go. Look at him. Yeah. Oh man. Now that you know, it's funny. Mo Vaughn, and, and we should probably wrap up here. But this would be an interesting conversation for maybe a future pod. Mo Vaughn, more than almost any player. Is like give is like a very visceral trigger of nostalgia for me, and I don't know if it's because yeah. I had like a bunch of baseball cards or if he had such a if it was because his stance was so unique and and memorable. Yeah, but like talking about all that equipment and he had the huge help elbow guard. Yeah, yeah. but like yeah. Mo Vaughn like transports me to the '90s as a kid, like loving yeah. baseball and learning baseball, like more than almost any other player that we could mention, I think, which is like, including my favorites, like, like Bernie or Don Mattingly or whatever, like for whatever reason, Mo Vaughn, like really like transports me. It's, it's, it's really funny. 19... Yeah. There's some non-Yankees that do that for me too. Yeah. 1995 Mo Vaughn, who somehow won the MVP. MVP. Yeah. Like in almost every stat, Albert Bell beats him. Well, I don't think nobody liked Bell because he was an asshole. That's probably yeah, why. Still, still, you know, Bell hit 50 homers that year. Yeah. Had the same number of RBI season. and batted 17 points higher. 
Well, but also, what was the uh, what was the Red Sox record that year? And then what was the they won, uh, they won the division? Yeah, and what was the Indian was Bell on the Indians that they year? Won the division? Oh, they went to the World Series. Oh, yeah, that's right, they did. Okay, because a lot <laughs> of times that's the, the other thing, right. right? Is the voters will just pick like the best player on the best team or whatever? Yeah, yeah not then, as much now. But, yeah, yeah. With not the now. same number amount of war. Edgar Edgar Martinez was number three. With a three fifty six batting average. Man, he was so good. You know, and I'm also seeing, though, Mo led the league in RBIs that year. Like, people put so much stock but, in RBIs back in the day. Albert Bell tied him. Oh. Albert led the league, too. Oh, okay. That doesn't show up on here. It doesn't show tie. Okay, yeah, yeah. When you just look at an individual state. Albert, Albert led the league in runs, homers, RBI, and slugging. Oh, that's hilarious. Wow. And he didn't win. Yeah. Did Poor he finish guy. second? He finished second. Yeah. By eight points. Poor guy. Poor guy. Poor Albert Bell. Never got didn't get no respect. Yeah. Man, he was only uh, thirty last year. You know who led the league in war that year though? In ninety five. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Don't tell yeah. me. Um uh in ninety five. In the AL match specifically. Yeah. Uh, pitcher. A pitcher. What? Clemens? No, that was his rough year. Or no, that uh, wasn't yeah. a rough year, but um yeah, it was. That was, was his walk year. Well, 96 uh, was his walk year. 96 was. No. Yeah, because his Blue Jays year was 97, 98. It wasn't right. Clemens. Right. 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 But it wasn't Clemens. Right. You're right. You're right. Um, You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a pitcher? Really? Uh, 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 Chuck Finley. <laughs> he's another one. He's another one. Super nostalgic yeah. for me. Again, maybe because of baseball cards. I don't Yankee, know. Yankee killer Chuck Finley? Uh-huh. Yeah. Charles yeah, Nagy. He no, he's from the Mariners. It's an easy answer. Ah, uh, Johnson. Yeah, Randy, Randy, oh, Randy in led the league in, really in war. Yeah. That was that was like yeah. I mean, that was the whole Mariners coming out. Because I always yeah. think of yeah. him as like hitting his real prime with the D backs. I I I, I uh, didn't realize he like led the war with the Mariners. I or led. Uh, he led was so he was so good with the with the Mariners, and then they traded him, and he was uh, contract year was ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. Houston, Houston. I remember that. He, with, he won the Cy Young that year. He was nineteen or eighteen and two. With a 2.48 ERA, he almost had 300 strikeouts, led the league. His ERA wow. plus was 90, 193, led the league. His FIP was 2.08. His uh, Holy like, shit. Uh, yeah. He, he so would have he won 20 games and had 300 strikeouts if that was a full season. Yeah. He, yeah. Would, he killed it that year. I can't believe he only got sixth. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't, I did not know yeah. that. Man. The 90s, like, I don't know. I I I guarantee you, anyone would say this, but the '90s was a fucking great time for baseball. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's just because we were kids or whatever during that, but there are some great names. There are some great players. Like, some great seasons. Great seasons. Great fucking teams, Mo Vaughn. Great stories. Mo Vaughn, baby. Mo Vaughn and Chuck like, Finley. Should, what else do you need? Maybe instead of instead of a draft of. Um, you know, the greatest players of all time. We should just relive the nineties. Or do like an like all nineties team or something. That could be fun. Yeah, but it doesn't talk about like the greatest moments of the nineties. <laughs> oh look at that picture. Oh, like... He's so big. <laughs> He's such a chunk. Oh, I kinda oh, wanna shit. get like a big picture of this and like frame it and put it in my house. It's <laughs> 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 like so funny. We should Colin post this uh, when you for the listeners post post it's a picture of Mo Vaughn with the Mets with like a really weird, awkward fake smile. Yeah. And and his shoulders are like hunched, and it's like it's really hilarious. So I'll post it when you do your <laughs> when you do your posting or something. But 
That's awesome. I got the, the minute markers there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, and and the greatest thing about like talking about the '90s is like, yeah, we can talk about the Yankees a lot because they won you know three World Series. But there's like there's so many other really cool things about that decade. Yeah. How like, about the Marlins winning a World Series in their what fifth year of existence or whatever? Yeah, ninety three. Yeah, right. Ninety three, four, five, six, and they won it in ninety seven. Right. So in their fifth year yeah. of existence, yeah. You've got the ninety four strike with the Expos. Didn't the ninety five Indians or the ninety seven Indians get like a thousand runs, and they're like the only team to do that in a long uh, the time? Ninety nine Indians. Ninety nine Indians. Ninety nine Indians scored a thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like that's 95 incredible. Won. That would have been that would have been really incredible because it was a, a oh the short year, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. ninety five. The ninety five and the ninety seven Indians are still uh, amazing like, teams. Yeah, they're World it, Series teams. It, yeah, Jose yeah. Mesa is still a dirty word in Cleveland right now. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, which, yeah. which sucks because yeah. he had such a great year. Yeah, ninety-seven was yeah. such a good year if you're Jose Mesa. Yep, but <sighs> um, that's what, that's like the Kofax thing, right? People only remember the postseason. Yeah, um, one more, one more. Like Mo Wan's. Got everyone remember his nickname? I don't know. Uh, I only remember because my my. Uh, Night World Series Baseball '96 on Sega Saturn was wow. very big on the nicknames. Hit Dog. He was Mo Hit Dog Vaughn. Hit Dog. Okay. Yeah, the Crime Dog. You dog. had the Hit Dog. I was. I was. All I could think of was Crime. Yeah, dog. for a while I, like, I thought it was big, big Dog, yeah. but it was Hit Dog. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That would be interesting too. The nickname. So we have we have Crime Dog. We have Hit Dog. We have the Big Hurt. With Frank Thomas, we have the Big Unit with Randy Johnson. Big unit. We have the Hit Man with Donnie Baseball. Um, so I don't know what this means. Uh, you know, it depends on your perspective. Either these nicknames are all great or else they're all terrible and, and writers are really lazy. I don't, I don't, I think it depends, but, uh, <laughs> I, I like that. Okay. I think it's done. We have two weeks between now and the next podcast. The job for each of you and the job for me is to just come up with some of your favorite moments, favorite nicknames, favorite, whatever about nineties baseball. And let's have an all '90s nostalgic baseball episode next time. That sounds can, fun. I'll have to like get some other '90s themed shit too. I'll figure it out. I'll have to like yeah. pull up. A, we'll have to find like some sort of '90s baseball uh, baseball reference page. There's probably some page that we can use yeah. to. to uh, the problem is, I've already kind of all of my my big guns. I already it's Mo Vaughn, Charles Nagy, and Chuck Finley. That's like that's the yeah. But but I'll give you. We'll give you the floor to talk more about like. Why? Why Charles Nagy was a Yankee killer? Yeah, right, right, right. Or yeah. like, why? Why Mo Vaughn stirs those feelings? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Make, yeah. To make you all hot bothered. <laughs> uh huh. That's right. I mean, all you got to do is look at that picture you just uh, showed of the of him in the Mets uniform, and that's uh, that's all you need, right there. Just, I mean, yeah. I'm just going back to this. Oh, this is like this is like the best baseball game ever. Oh, Sega amazing. Sports World Series wow. Baseball 2. That, if you play the beginning, you can Google it right now. Any listeners, Google the 1996 World Series home video. One of the first ads you will see in the video is for World Series Sega Sports World Series Baseball 2. And amazing. it's Brad Racky. Brad Racky. Brad Racky is the, is the main dude. There's another the one. Oh, my God. So, uh, yep. So it had... One of the coolest early features ever. So the the Rays and the Diamondbacks were, had been announced, but like they didn't have rosters or anything. So you could right, use right. building blocks to make players, and you could make the player like. So you could like, you know, 
build your like so i remember if you if you picked the right number of building blocks you could get like a guy whose projected stats were like 50 home runs and a 400 batting average right so like <laughs> obviously like um that was dad like when i made him my yeah. team i was dad because you know, i at that point dad could could do no wrong you know and um you know and then you just get to the silly i, I wish i could pull out the old memory card because like my brother and i would just get silly with it and like our closer was named Mr. Applesauce because we didn't know what else to name him and we ran out of stuff. I like that. Um, just crazy stuff. You know, mom, mom was the uh, starting pitcher who, who pitched submarine, like nice. young Hung Kim. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, good days. Oh man. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> wow. All right, boys. Well, we did it again. We, did we it. went overtime yep. today too. Yep. yep. So, any shout outs? Uh, Brad Radke. Uh, Kevin Apier. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Uh.